0: Welcome to another exciting edition of the GBI show. That's right, it's Gridiron Betting Insights here on ATS. Jay Sanon alongside our special guest here tonight, Hi. Sharky Hi. Waters. What's going on, Mr. Waters Nation? How you doing?
1: Well, as I said last time, I love the delivery, Mr. Waters Nation. We're in the nation. It is the nation. I'm proud to be here. And Jay, thanks for having me here. A beautiful, beautiful thirsty Thursday. It is September 23rd, 2021. As we're getting ready for, as I said, the out of division Grease Fire Special, Panthers at Texans. I have an official on that, but we're talking NFL. We're talking week three. We're talking the full card. A huge game, of course. No bye weeks for a few, another month. And uh, Jay, tell me, where do you want to begin?
0: Yeah, Sharky. You know, we will get into that uh, Thursday night debacle that you mentioned. You mentioned it's thirsty Thursday Thursday. Uh, it is a good thing it is thirsty Thursday Thursday because we're all going to need a drink to get through that Thursday night football game, or you could do what I'm going to do. You just, I'm just going to watch the WNBA playoffs because cool. give me the WNBA playoffs. Give me Arike Ogumbawale over Davis Mills any day of the week. That's what I always say here in the GBI house, household. So we'll get to that game in just a second. We will get to the rest of week three in just a second. But first, I would like to remind you all, if you are watching live, you got the live chat, YouTube, Twitter, get involved. Your comments. You see the little graphic on the bottom of the screen there, folks? That could be you. That could have your name and your hot take right there if you hit us up throughout the show. So do not hesitate to do that. Now, Sharky, let's get into it. We will start with Thursday Night Football. The Panthers, 8.5-point favorites, taking on the Houston Texans. Total, a low 43. And there's a reason it is low. It's because Davis Mills is going to be the quarterback Of the Houston Texans, of course, Terod Taylor not taking part. We all know why Deshaun Watson is not taking part. This is expected to be an ugly game. What do you think?
1: Well, I've gone on record all day, and I am behind the Texans. And I'm on the Texans for one particular reason. This is pretty much the dictionary definition, in my opinion, of a trap game. Uh, When you look at what Carolina has done, they're 2-0 straight up on the campaign. They're 2-0 ATS in two polar opposite environments. An out-of-division spot at home versus a very lackluster Jets team as a favorite. And the other side, a divisional game, a revenge game, as a dog. So they covered as a dog at home in the division. They also covered as a favorite outside of the division. Now they go on the road outside of the division on a short week. And in the next game, they play at Dallas, follow that up at Philly. If you really look at five games to start the season, this is the third out of five, so it is literally a sandwich, but this is the definition of a trap game. And you go to the other side of it, also a 2-0 team coming in here, ATS, would be the Texans. Obviously a 10-point loss at the Browns last week, which I did not have correctly. But I do think if you're going to compare 2-0 ATS versus 2-0 ATS, the letdown would come from the Carolina team as opposed to Texas, or excuse me, the Texans coming home off a double-digit loss. Probably a little more fired up. Uh, obviously, Davis Mills out of Stanford, not much to say there. I'm trusting just the general um, environmental analysis of the game, Jay.
0: Yeah, and this is a situation for me where I'm not on the game myself. Like I said, I would rather watch the WNBA than watch the Panthers and the Texans on a Thursday night. That's just me. But when it comes to this game, this is the textbook situation. This will be a theme for me tonight where you're betting numbers and not teams in the NFL, right? Because the Houston Texans, not a team that we thought was going to be any good this year. They're one and one. The win came against Jacksonville. We're not going to put a lot of stock into that. But as you mentioned, 2-0 and ATS. They were respectable for a lot of that game against the Cleveland Browns. And it's, as you said, you talk about a trap. If something seems too obvious in the world of NFL betting, it probably is, right? We're all sitting here thinking, oh, the Panthers look so good against Jameis Winston and the Saints. That does not translate to a road game on a short week against a quarterback that you've only had a little tiny bit of tape to look at because he was only out there for a short period of time. I think that the Texans have the potential to be frisky as a dog tonight. I don't know if they can do it. I don't know if they can win the game, but I do think if you did have to take a side here, that would certainly be the look. I am 100% with
1: you, Sharky. Yeah, without question. And, uh, you know, we always talk about the market splits. This is a very public side. I believe 75% of the tickets are coming in here in Carolina. And the public, unfortunately, can't get out of their own way in terms of recency bias. And I said every day. It's not an insult to anybody. But the recent history does not just automatically repeat itself. Uh, the law of averages usually usually suggests it will go the other way, and it will go the other way rather quickly. So that's all we're going to say on that, I believe, and we should get to the Sunday slate.
0: Yeah, thankfully, because, again, this is not a game worth uh, spending a whole lot of time on. If yeah. you are watching it, good luck. I would suggest, again, go do something else, but that's just me. Anyway, on to Sunday. We will start with the 1 p.m. games, and we will start with a game that we disagree on, Sharky. We're going to get into it right away. Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, the Browns, seven-and-a-half point favorites at home, total 45. Of course, the big story coming into this game, Justin Fields set to make his first NFL start with Andy Dalton not competing due to injury. Sharky, we do not agree. I will let you make your case to start us off.
1: Okay, well, yesterday I actually booked this at minus seven, which I did think was an important figure to get that at least for a push on a touchdown. Of course, this is not NBA basketball. Seven, seven and a half is actually a full possession. It could could theoretically be three points. Um, But that all being said, I just looked at what Cleveland did last week. That was a letdown game for them. They covered and they played a really representative game in the first uh, game at Kansas City. And they came back. And ultimately, we're just really flat in the first half Two really poor turnovers in plus territory right around midfield uh, and still were up at the half and still won a game by 10 points. Uh, Just a lackluster opponent. Of course, the uh, the Texans in there. And you kind of look at what happened last year as a reasonable corollary point. Uh, They came home in the first game last year and they did not cover against Cincinnati. And then home game two, which I do talk about all the time in all sports. First came home is a little bit of a transition period off travel or whatever's going on. You oftentimes get a particularly bad first half, and then they get their wave in the second half. But then it completely reverses itself in home game two, and they come out a lot more focused and a lot more efficient. Uh, They did do that last year against Washington. And uh, Washington reminds me of this opponent type last year. Um, Very good defense questionable quarterback situation. They did win the game 34-20, to 20, and it was a very similar line, and the lines do matter. I was talking about this. Vegas throws averages out for a reason. That was minus six. This is minus seven, and I do foresee a very similar type of game. I think Cleveland will win this game by double digits. Jay, you want to tell me why I'm wrong?
0: I don't know, you know, you could very well be right. That's the thing with sports gambling, right? We all make our cases for these things and it could go terribly sideways. I bet, on, I bet on the Golden State Warriors this year, the game where they lost by like 60 to the Toronto Raptors. So it's one of those things where who knows, maybe you're not wrong. But again, this is a situation where I am betting the number rather than the team. I like getting the seven and a half with the Chicago Bears. Huge difference so far this season in yards per play output for both of these teams. Cleveland far superior to the Bears in that regard. But I like Justin Fields out there better than I like Andy Dalton. I think he is better equipped to handle the pass rush of the Cleveland Browns. He's got the mobility. And, yes, he hasn't done it in the NFL yet. But this is not your typical – this isn't Davis Mills, right? When you deal with Justin Fields, this is a guy – he has played bigger games at the college level – then he is going to be playing in on Sunday. So you know he's not going to go out there and freeze due to the moment. The question is, can he execute – I think he will do just enough in this game to keep it a one-possession ball game. You also look at the fact Jarvis Landry, one of Baker Mayfield's favorite targets. He will not be playing. He is on injured reserve. Odell Beckham could be back. He's been practicing. But again, you only have one of those key wide receivers. And just something in general with the Cleveland Browns for me. They are a team that I do not like laying big numbers with because they love to run the ball, right? They are a team that likes to grind the clock. They love to use Chubb and those running backs as often as possible. That's really the strength of their offense, even though the public perception is Baker Mayfield shooting laser beams out to OBJ and Jarvis Landry. So I think it's going to be one of those games. They're not going to need to score huge, and I don't think they're going to. I think we're going to see something like a 28-21 type of affair where it's pretty reasonable, and I think that the Bears will cover at the 7.5. Love getting the Always all about that. Now, sure, I guess we're still technically in the Midwest. or at least dealing with an East Coast team this time that, that's outside of flyover country, right? We're talking about the Baltimore Ravens, eight-point favorites, taking on the Detroit Lions, total of 50, of course, the Ravens, with the most impressive win, in my opinion, last Sunday when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs at their own game by putting up a ton of points. Do you think they do it again and they blow the Lions out of the water, or do you think we have a competitive performance here from Detroit?
1: This is a tough one for me. I didn't really go into much detail on this. When I first cased the game, I obviously knew that Baltimore was coming in here off a massive, massive win. Of course, that was the first time Lamar Jackson had gotten over the hump against Patrick Mahomes in his professional career. Uh, There's not much bigger of a high than that for him in a small window a couple years in the league. Um, So naturally, there's a letdown effect. But then you look at what Detroit did in week one at home on a similar figure against San Francisco. Uh, They did get fortunate to backdoor it. And again, we, we've been saying this. It seems to be a trend over the first ten minutes of the show. Uh, take the names off the jersey. Look at the numbers. And when Vegas waits Baltimore in the same environment that they did San Francisco, and we saw that game played, San Francisco was up significantly in that game and had to get like brutally backdoored to cover. Uh, I think just at the dispersion point, if this game plays similarly, you can't necessarily back, you can't necessarily uh, bank on Detroit backdooring again in the same fashion to go. Two and O ATS at home in very similar environments versus teams that are expected to go deep in the playoffs. I would lean Baltimore here for those reasons.
0: You know, I actually – I would lean the over more than I would lean one side or the oh, other yeah. here. The Lions haven't been terrible on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of it's come while they've been chasing the game. But, I mean, you look at Jared Goff's first half against the Packers this past week. It was a masterpiece. He was dropping dimes to Hawkinson. He looked really good. And he's a quarterback who – he's not as volatile as a guy like, say, Jameis Winston, right? He's throwing short a lot of the time, a lot of high percentage passes. Even if they are not going to take the top off a of defense – you know he's not just going to be hucking the ball downfield, incompletes, interceptions, things like that. And I think that works against the team in the Ravens that hasn't showed us a lot defensively so far this season. I think that Baltimore's going to put up points, right? The, the Lions are decimated in their secondary. Jeff Okuda done for the season. And they don't have a lot of talent behind him as it is, even when healthy. The Ravens are going to put up points, which means the Lions are going to have to put the ball in the air, which they have shown that they are at least capable of doing for a half at a time. I think this game gets over the 50. I think Baltimore gets pretty close to that 50 by themselves. I mean, I think we could see a mid-30s from that easily.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree with you. I think they could score 42-plus, to be honest. And I I go back to week one again. San Francisco scored, what, 40 and change there? So I think this would be potentially at 40, roughly. I think this game could be somewhere around – uh you know 42 to like 17 or something like that
0: yeah to me like a like a 30 to 23 is pretty easy in this game pretty easily attainable for both yeah. squads if, i if,
1: if you think uh, Detroit's going to compete at that level for sure but i, I yeah. think I, I think regardless of the gap i think it'll go over i think it's a good luck for sure
0: i'm with you on that one cardinals jaguars up next And this is another one, right? It's a big perceived mismatch. The Cardinals 2-0, but they were lucky to get to 2-0 after barely beating the Vikings last week. They're a a seven-and-a-half point favorite, total 51-and-a-half. Two early draft picks, right? Number one versus number one, Murray versus Lawrence. How do you see this playing out?
1: Uh, This is one where I could not go anywhere other than the chalk. Uh, I do think that the Jags are going to cluster. I mean, look at last week, right? Denver did everything that they could possibly do to not cover that game, and they still covered. And uh, you look at what Arizona did in week one, obviously authoritative win at the Tennessee Titans. This is not a corollary to this game at all, but I do go back to last year. Uh, Arizona was very effective in certain spots on the road outside of the division. I'll give you the game at Dallas. Uh, at that point in the season, Dallas' defense was absolutely horrendous. And they were playing wide open ball. And Arizona went in there and absolutely smacked them. And I do think off of a pretty lackluster performance at home last week, obviously they should have lost the game. It was a 37-yard missed field goal for the Vikings to not win that game. I think they will probably come in here and win this game pretty handily.
0: Yeah, and this is a game I I didn't put a lot into. Again, I, I don't feel super comfortable laying that big a number with a road team. And you want to talk about Denver doing everything they could not to cover against the Jaguars last week. The Cardinals did everything they could last week not to win against the Minnesota Vikings, and like you said, they got bailed out on a very makeable field goal at the end that didn't go Minnesota's way. I Again, I, you know, I've talked preseason, and we talked about it week one. I just, Kingsbury is not a guy I put a lot of faith into in situations where they're the better team. I just don't like what he brings from a leadership standpoint. I think we might see... A flat start for the Cardinals, but I'm also not putting any of my eggs into the Trevor Lawrence basket. Lawrence has really struggled so far. So it's a complete stay away for me in every facet. Not a lean, not anything. I don't trust anybody involved. Yeah, no, definitely not. Now let's talk about what could very well be the game of the week in the NFL this week. We are, of course, talking about the Chargers and the Chiefs. Los Angeles, a a six-and-a-half-point dog, total 54-and-a-half. That's come down. It was up around 55-and-a-half, 56 earlier in the week. Of course, the Chiefs coming off the loss to the Ravens that everybody saw on Sunday night. And the Chargers, another surprisingly low-scoring game, losing to the
1: Cowboys. What do you think here? There seems to be a lot of points on either sides of this. I've talked to a lot of people, including the great Fusini, who is a contrarian contrarian at the core. I mean, we're talking about a guy that loves an underdog more than anybody on the planet, and I love him for it. And he's on the Chiefs, so that should tell you something about the Chiefs here. However, I do look at the other side of this, and I just look at the sustainability of the Chiefs at home or not. Uh, And I ask myself, is this just an auto bounce back? And I don't necessarily think it is. And I look at the line. The line is short. They should be laying eight and a half to nine points. And I've been scaling this for four to five years. Particularly in the division, the line does matter. Um, obviously, they play each other twice a year. And the line movement does make a lot of difference, like it would in the NBA. Outside of division does not matter nearly as much. Uh, this line is coming down from what what happened last year. Um, obviously, week 17, you can completely throw out. Chad Hetty did play for the Chiefs in a loss. Total no, no corollary point there. Go back to early season where the Chiefs did win 23-20 to in overtime at the Chargers. Um, the Chiefs were only laying six and a half points there. So when you're laying six and a half points at the opponent's stadium and you come home, adjust it for home field advantage within the division. It should be three points. It should be nine and a half. It is short. And again, the Chargers played sort of a lackluster game last week. They did travel better on the road week one. I think they're going to travel well here. I think it's going to be a tighter game.
0: You talk about being a contrarian, and Shark, there is nothing I wanted to do more than smash the under on this game. But I got scared off of it due to some injury concerns. I mean, you got Joey Bow the foot and an ankle. If that under is going to come in, they're going to have to get some pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and who knows if they'll be able to do that depending on Bose's health. I'm also I'm concerned a little bit in this game about the fact that the Chiefs have been as bad defensively as have been dead last in the league so far, giving up seven and a half yards per play. I mean, they're giving up, you know, 15 yards every two plays on average. So, again, the contrarian in me really wanted to take the under, but I am going to hold off, I think. And, again, you know, it's one of those, oh, why don't you take the over? Fair question. My problem there is that the Chargers have not been cashing in on drives. I mean, they have been moving the ball between the 20s at will, but settling for a lot of field goals. And you can blame the flags against the Cowboys last week. But even against the Washington football team, aside from a gift touchdown off a turnover inside the Washington five, only one touchdown that whole game. I'm concerned there. So, uh, again, another stay away from me. I don't trust the Chiefs defense enough to lay a big number. We got Locker Gibraltar weighing in saying he thinks a 31-27 Chiefs victory is the way to go. And, uh, And just
1: one final point on that. Uh, the Chiefs are due to come down in their point score. Uh, two inflated totals in weeks one and two. And I think if they were going to do it, it would come against this Chargers team. So, last point on that.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where, you know, again, we we asked again during the Lions talk there, how good is the Ravens' defense really? They've been struggling against Vegas too, not just the Chiefs. So, yeah. I think that's certainly a fair point to be yeah. made. Now, let's move to a game that a few years ago would have been like a possible Super Bowl preview, not so much right now. Saints-Patriots, the Saints a three-point dog on the road, total 42.5. Old Jameis returned last week. He was slinging turnovers. The Saints weren't moving the ball. They got crushed by the Panthers. While the Patriots, they did what they were supposed to do. Bill Belichick added another rookie quarterback to his wall of rookie quarterback heads hanging above his fireplace do you think the Patriots' defense
1: steps up against here against the uh, Saints? Yeah, I'm not sure about the total here. I went back through the history of this matchup. Uh, the Patriots have won five out of the last six. Of course, that is dating back to the late 1990s. This is a Tom Brady-sanctioned event. Of course, the team has completely turned over, so we can't really compare any of the previous environments. This is a really tough game for me to cap. Uh, obviously, you do get the Saints off of a really poor performance, in the division, which I think most sharps had last week. Carolina was a really sharp take there. Now it's a bounce back. But on the other side of it, they've been on the road for three weeks. They weren't supposed to be on the road for three weeks. Of course, they were out of their home stadium because of a hurricane in week one in Jacksonville. But they have been on the road for three weeks. So in Jacksonville, Carolina, now New England, outside of division, New England defense has been good for two straight weeks. And I think what you saw in week one largely was a very poor defensive effort from Green Bay where Jameis sliced them up, but he only threw for 147 yards. So it wasn't like they were doing anything super crazy. There was just It just was a weird game. And I think that there will be a lack of points in this game, to your point. And I think ultimately the sharp look here would be New England. I won't be on it, but I do think the sharper angle would be New England here.
0: Yeah, I'm not on the game yet either. I'd like to see if a two and a half pops up uh, closer to kickoff in this game. Uh, you talk about the Panthers being a sharp take. Well, I uh, I, was on New in- I was on New Orleans last week, and uh, my reason for that was I had simply rated New Orleans higher before the season than a lot of people. So it was not an overreaction to the Green Bay game. Instead, it was uh, trusting my own rankings of the teams, and it went terribly, much like that Warriors bet against the Raptors way back when that bet went terribly. As far as this game goes, I'm with you. I think that the I think the Patriots is the way to go. I would like to wait to see if we can get a two and a half. But so far, listen, Mac Jones very efficient so far, completing over seventy percent of his passes. He's managing the game very well. And as yeah. I always say, there's nothing wrong with being a game manager because you're not out there wrecking the game. Jameis Winston he helped wreck the game last week for the New Orleans Saints. He's completing under sixty percent of his passes. I'm I'm getting concerned. With the Saints, I'm going to hold off on this game, see if a better number pops up. But I'm with you. I think that New England is the way to go here. Now, Shark, would you like to go south here? Would you like to go to the south? Because that's where we're going to go. You don't have a choice. I'm making you anyway. Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans, AFC South Battle. Colts a five-point dog, total 48. Carson Wentz dealing with injuries to both ankles. He's got Steph Curry syndrome. Do you think... They can overcome that and cover against a defensively challenged Titans team, or do you think Tennessee gets back on track?
1: Yeah, I actually went on Twitter last night. Shout out to Twitter. Great app and a great avenue for us to drive access towards. But, um, no, I said I thought the Colts was a very very good look. And I went back through the matchups. The last three times the Colts played in Tennessee, they didn't win outright. And I think it's fairly noteworthy because, obviously, there's quarterback ambiguity coming into this game. We don't know if Carson Wentz is going to play. Of course, uh, Jacob Eason. Six six product number one pro style recruit coming out of high school in two thousand sixteen. Uh, that's a big time player right there, at, uh, Georgia and Washington. So I don't think necessarily that would be the, a problem. But if you really go back through it, Andrew Luck beat them on the road. Then Jacoby Brissett beat them on the road. Then Phillip Rivers beat them on the road last year. And again, I, I made a comment, but I do think there's something to be said about this longer regular season this year with one a game in January. I think playoff teams from last year are coming into this a little bit more like NBA teams which for the first time ever, there is, first of all, a less less of a preseason schedule. And then there's also this, in the back of their mind, knowing they have to play more games later on. So I think you're seeing teams like the Titans, the Chiefs be another good good example of this, who are not playing their best ball in September. And it makes complete sense. And I think you get an 0-2 Colts team coming in here. They're scrappy. They're well-coached. It's a great defense. And again, they've traveled sustainably well within the division to Nashville. I like this at plus five and a half.
0: Yeah, I think that if I if I were to take a side here, it would be Indy as a five-point dog. It was five and a half earlier in the week. Yeah. I would like to know who's playing quarterback before I choose to get involved. Um, I'm not particularly high on Wentz, but I would at least like to know whether it's going to be him or somebody who hasn't seen any real action at this level before. But that Titans defense, I mean, it has been abysmal so far. Given up over 400 yards a game. Of course, early in the season, when you talk stats, you're talking small sample sizes right now. But it is concerning for that Tennessee team. Are you giving up 34 points a game right now? Should be 0-2. I mean, Seattle really gifted them that game, of course, out in the Emerald City. So uh, this is a Tennessee team where, yes, they come back home. That's great. But like you said, The Colts are no strangers to winning there. And that defense of the Titans is certainly not giving me any confidence to take them. To me, it would be Colts or pass. I am 100% with you. Now it is time, Shark, to get the tables. Because it is time to talk about the Buffalo Bills at home, taking on the Washington football team. Football team, seven and a half point dogs, on the road, total 46. And this is a Washington team that they could be 0-2 had the Giants not been offsides on that final field goal attempt on Thursday night football long week to prepare for Washington. Do you think it helps them at all in orchard park?
1: This is a tough one for me. I think the number is really sharp. It's that really unfortunate seven and a half. Again, we just mentioned it, but that's one uh, possession after a touchdown and it's just brutal to cap. I uh, look back across what happened last year with the bills. Of course, we've talked about this before the bills were sustainably amazing against the spread last year, similar to Pittsburgh. So just when I zoom out, the question I ask myself is, are they going to continue that for two straight years, particularly with more adjusted lines? I don't think this Bills team would have been laying seven and a half to eight points a year ago in this environment. I just don't think books had them graded at that point, which makes it that much harder to cover. You know, when teams get adjusted to more of a championship style of uh, line environment, they don't cover as much. And... Um, You know, when I look at what happened the previous two games, it's kind of hard to cross-reference the Bills road game with a divisional home game on a short week against the Giants, who do play sustainably well in the division. And, of course, week one, Chargers coming in there in a just total flyer spot, which I did have the Chargers there. Uh, I don't really have a good feel for Washington coming in here in this particular environment. And I also don't love buying the Bills, again, off the 35-point blot in Miami. This would be the definition of a no play for me.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not on this game either. Um, I think that the, the defense of the football team has been a little worrisome so far. It didn't show on the scoreboard against the Chargers. We talked about their inability to cash in when they've moved the ball deep into enemy territory so far this year. But Washington, they were gashed by that offense of the Chargers. And then they made Danny Dimes look pretty competent last week, which as a Giants fan, I can tell you that's pretty hard to do. So I'm concerned with that defense. Heineke's looked okay so far, but I don't love what I've seen from the defense. Meanwhile, the Bills, they've been excellent defensively so far. You look at their two games, and outside of the block punt for a touchdown against the Steelers, that defense has allowed 16 points in two games. They've looked very good. So a no play for me here, um, it seemed, again, this is one of those where, right, it seems too obvious that the Bills are going to go out there and roll them But that's a situation that usually lends itself to disaster when betting on these kind of games. So for me, I am also going to stay away from it. Now, I just mentioned Danny Dimes, Shark. And we're going to talk about Danny Dimes and the New York Giants, a three-point home favorite, taking on the Atlanta Falcons, a battle of winless teams here. Maybe an early preview for the number one pick here. These two (laughs) teams could be in the race for that. Total 47 and a half, and it's, it's been ugly on both sides here to say the least.
1: Yeah. um, I'm looking at the road team here and I'm looking at it for a few reasons, but the first thing that I looked at was last year's schedule. Uh, Atlanta was actually four and one ATS on the road outside of the division. And of course that division with the bucks is a tough out on the road. Carolina is whatever. And uh, obviously forgetting the other one off the top of my head, Uh, New Orleans, also a tough out. But traveling on the road, they competed very well in all environments except for Green Bay, who, of course, had a great campaign last year. I think that translates to this. Look at what the Giants have done in the last two seasons. The Giants do compete very well in the division only. You did see it last game. They almost won and did cover in Washington. But go back to last year. They play very well in the division. Outright wins and covers both road and away. And then outside of division, they stink and I go back to week one, look at what they did at home against Denver. They got blown out 27-13. to 13. I think you're going to see a similar environment. I think Atlanta comes in here and wins the game.
0: Uh, it's, I could easily see that happening, and I could also easily see the Giants blowing them out, which is why I have no action on this game whatsoever. You like to look for a little bit of consistency when betting on the NFL, right? Not that it's super easy to come by, but you at least like to bet on teams that have some sort of identity one way or the other. Well, the identity for both of these teams is the complete lack of one, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, culturally, these might be the two worst franchises outside of the Texans in the NFL right now. And both teams are so woefully inconsistent on both sides of the ball that, uh, you know, to me, I, I have nothing here. Matt Ryan, he's on the downslide here. Daniel Jones, he's never ascended the hill that Matt Ryan has gone up and subsequently going, is going back down on I just I don't see any reason to play this game I could see it going either way and I want nothing to do with it I don't even want to watch it I'm a Giants fan I don't even want to watch the game that's where they have me at this point in time just tank just tank and get somebody good to play quarterback please yeah let's go to better teams here shark let's go to the AFC North the surprisingly decent Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers spread is three in favor of the Steelers total 44 what do you think here
1: yeah, I'm looking at the Bengals here, Here, and I've said it before. I, said, I just said it 10 minutes ago. The Bills and the Steelers for me in a very similar camp, obviously smoking hot either ATS or straight up last year. I don't think that necessarily lends itself to repeating, and also off of a sequence of losses or not. Obviously, Steelers did fall off a cliff last year, late regular season and in the postseason, and they were not particularly inspiring in Buffalo. We're fortunate to backdoor that in the fourth quarter with a special teams touchdown and then a little bit of a momentum shift. Uh, prior to losing outright to Vegas last week. And I think since he comes in here, since he did lay down effectively to Chicago, they were down 20-3 to three in the fourth quarter. Uh, Justin Fields came in there, turned the ball over, and the game got close. But I think that was definitely a bit of a trap game last week. I fell for it. I had Cincinnati and I lost that bet. But that being said, evaluating, I think looking back, that was the trap. I think they were a bit of a look ahead off a home win with Pittsburgh this week. Uh, and the line is effectively very short. This, again, based on recent history, should be at least... Five and a half, six, six and a half. It's opened at four and a half, and it's come down. I think mostly sharp action on the Bengals. I think the Bengals are the sharp. Look, I will not have an official on this. I'm probably only playing three or four units this week, and this is not one. of them.
0: Yeah, I am not on this game myself. If I were to, I think I'd side with you here on the Cincinnati Bengals. I, you know, it's it's a perception versus reality thing here, right? The Steelers, they have this pristine reputation going back decades and decades. They've been the better team in the AFC North in the recent history of these two teams. But you look at the numbers, I mean, Joe Burrow has been substantially better than Ben Roethlisberger this year. And that's not necessarily a high praise of Joe Burrow. Roethlisberger has just looked completely over the hill. I mean, he has looked washed, like not, not nearly as mobile as he used to be, and he wasn't the most mobile guy previously. I mean, he's looked like uh, the Tin Man in the Wizard of Oz. He looks like he needs the oil can every time he goes out there on those old joints. And I'm with you. I think that the Bengals are on kind of the upward trend as of right now, and I think that the opposite is true of the Steelers, which I think will make this a close game either way. Nothing that really stands out to make me want to play it personally. Now we'll go to a game featuring a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson, and Teddy Two Gloves, the cover machine for the Denver Broncos. The Broncos a 10-point favorite now in this game, total 42. I am betting this game. I am holding my nose and taking the Jets. I want to know where you're at on this one.
1: Uh, I am in in agreement with you. I'm not playing this personally, but I have been in a lot of chats with actually our esteemed friend, the Lock of Gibraltar, and our great friends, the best people in gambling Twitter. A lot of sharps in there, and I think the sharps in there, who I trust deeply, align on this take for the Jets. Uh, Again, you always talk about environmental shifts. We've been talking about it for 30 minutes, we're going to continue. When you look at what happened here, Denver did clean up on the road at the Jets and Jags, excuse me, Giants and Jags. That is a different environment coming home. You're getting a home opener. You are getting a Jets team off an insulting loss, a bizarre uh, poor effort from Zach Wilson, three interceptions. But again, this is Belichick in the division. Uh, just nonsense. And I think you come back here and you look at the environmental shift to this huge favorite number. And I made the comment before, I think this is more on the number than the actual uh, team scaling here. I think this game is going to fall inside of 10 points. And I think a 10.5 line is a tough take on the favorite here. I think this game could finish somewhere like 27-17 or something like that.
0: Yeah, I took it. Uh, I took it. I think it was on Tuesday at 10 and a half for the Jets. It hung around there for a bit. Now it's down to 10 in some places. I think that the Jets are the way to go here. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, first of all, you look at the Broncos and they've played the Giants and the Jaguars. Not exactly the most pristine NFL franchises in the league right now. Not that the Jets are a ton better, but I think they're a little bit more competent than those two dumpster fire teams. They at least bring a little bit of defense to the table, whereas the Jags and the Giants have not at all. I also think that you have a spot here where the market overreacting a little bit to what Zach Wilson did against the Patriots, as you said. Belichick just eats rookie quarterbacks alive historically, and that's exactly what happened with Zach Wilson. He's not going to play that badly again, probably until the Jets play the Patriots later in the season. I think we see some improvement from him. No Makai Becton is a concern for me, but no Bradley Chubb for the Broncos. And a ton of injuries in the skill position, guys. Uh, Tim Patrick and Noah Fant listed on the injury report. Of course, Jerry Judy definitely out for the Broncos. So I don't think they're going to pack the same punch that they have packed over the last couple of weeks offensively. And I think we see not a defensive struggle, but, I mean, with a total of 42, I think you're exactly right, somewhere in the ballpark of 27-17. And I think we see the Jets come away with a pretty ugly, a pretty grisly cover there on the West Coast at mile high. Now, we're going to stay out West as the Raiders host the Miami Dolphins. The spread back up to four and a half. It's kind of fluctuated up and down throughout the week. Total, 44. Dolphins, of course, rocking with Jacoby Brissett. Tua dealing with the rib injury. Las Vegas, 2-0. And all the signs pointing to Las Vegas, is it too obvious? What say you?
1: I do think it is too obvious. Um, you know, the line is shifting, but I just said before, and it's true, it doesn't matter outside of the division. Uh, Miami did lay three points here last year, which is pretty strong for Miami. Uh, They did not cover. It was a one-point game, a really gross backdoor in all fashions. I think everybody was watching that. I believe it was a Saturday night primetime game. There were 22 points in the last four minutes and 10 seconds of that game. The total got backdoored epically. Uh, That being said, Miami comes in here with Jacoby Brissett, and they come in here off a 35-point loss at home in the division. And I think I made the comment – I keep saying that because I did a show before, so I'm going through it again. But um, I made a comment before about Vegas as a travel point. It doesn't strike me as being overly hostile. Uh, it's a party town. It's only the second year they've had a team, and I think for a team going in there, it's more of like, let's turn up. This is a cool showcase game for us. I think it's not going to be hostile. I think Miami is going to play a very effective game. And, Of course, you do get Vegas coming in here off a huge road road win and a two and zero spot on the campaign. I think this game ultimately Vegas could win this, but you know we know that the lines in the NFL are very short, or should be very tight. Uh, this could actually be a three point game final. So I think the plus four is the side here.
0: Before I uh, give my take on this game, uh, you talk about Vegas and kind of the showcase situation. It reminds me of a story about my wonderful wife and I. We recently went to Las Vegas and uh, we saw Allegiant Stadium. We were on our way to see uh, the Las Vegas Aces and the WNBA. We wanted to check out a game against the Washington Mystics. Like I said, I was not kidding when I said I'd rather watch the WNBA than tonight's Thursday Night Football game. We're we're going to the Mandalay Bay there, the Michelob Ultra Arena, where the Aces play. And across this, like, 10-lane highway, you know how it is in Vegas, is Allegiant Stadium. So we're right in between both buildings. And she asked me, is that across all that road where the Aces play, pointing to Allegiant Stadium? And uh, we had a good laugh because, no, that NFL stadium is not where the Las Vegas Aces play their basketball in front of vastly fewer people than the number that attend NFL games. So, yes, you're right. It is a big, beautiful venue, that Allegiant Stadium, something that both my wife and I can attest to. And as far as this game goes, I am with you. I think it is a little too obvious for the Las Vegas Raiders, right? They come off a win against the Steelers, who, again, Ben Roethlisberger is looking pretty washed at this point, right? They aren't scoring in big numbers in either of their first two games, even if the block punt against the Bills would suggest otherwise. That does not reflect well on the Raiders, and I think anytime you have a 2-0 team against a backup quarterback, right, you're rushing to bet this number if it's inside of a touchdown. Think about why it's there. The Dolphins, solid culture with Flores, good defense to keep them in the game. I think this game is going to be a little closer than people think. I don't want to play it with Jacoby Brissett, but you can't tell me you'd be surprised if you saw this game end within a field goal and was close just like their game last year. Now we're going to get into some much better games, Shark. And I'm really excited because there are some good ones this week. Another possible Game of the Week contender here on Sunday, talking about the Rams and the Bucks. The Rams opened as favorites in this game. Now the Bucks are one-and-a-half-point favorites of their own. Total of 55, both teams 2-0. This could be an NFC Championship game preview. What do you think happens
1: it's a good question. There's a lot of counterpoints to either side. The first point I looked at, the Rams did actually win last year in Tampa Bay. I believe it was about week 10 or week 11, somewhere around there, 27 to 24. And, again, the Bucs didn't really hit their stride last year until very late in the year. And I don't think most people had them winning the Super Bowl coming into the playoffs. Uh, stealing the, the title game, obviously, in Green Bay was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Um, that all being said, the number here would lean towards the Bucs. The Bucs didn't lay minus four at home last year. It was open at one and a half. Two and a half is a half point short. Again, these, these half points do matter in terms of the way that Vegas averages uh, these lines. Uh, you look at, of course, the Rams. The Rams did beat down the Bears in week one at home as a favorite. Functionality change. Home favorite versus a bad team versus a small dog versus the champs. Uh, the line for me would suggest Bucks. However, I don't love the fact that the Bucks out of division road games last year were all against bad teams. Uh, If you really go through it, they played five games outside of division. It was Bears, Giants, Detroit, and a couple other teams. It was just all bad teams. So we've never seen the Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Bucks in an environment on the road outside of division against a top-level team. I'll have the TV on. I'll be watching. I will not have a play on this game.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It's a no play for me. I would lean the opposite way. I would lean the Rams only because you're dealing with a team in the Bucks who are the defending champions, who do have Tom Brady. They get a lot of the love from you know Joe Sixpack betting these games recreationally. I think that the Rams have been more impressive on both sides of the ball so far. Matt Stafford is averaging over 10 yards per attempt through two games. I mean, he's lighting it up. He's been better than Brady in every statistical category outside of touchdowns so far. And I love the way that the Rams handled their first test on the road last week against a pretty decent Colts squad. Uh, it took a lot of hard for them to make the right days at the end of that game as opposed to capitulating on to that. Maybe they would Goff been a quarterback. I loved what I saw from the Rams last week. And again, this is a game where it feels a lot more important than it is, right? You're in a 17-game season. Both of these teams are going to be in the playoffs, barring some kind of horrific injury on one side or the other. Uh, this is a game that means a lot more to us than it means to them. I think the Rams take it at home. But, you know, again, we could easily see the Bucs flip it later on in the season and beat them in the playoffs. That's just my take on that contest. Now, two teams that played very exciting games last week might not be quite on the level of the Rams and the Bucks. are Seattle and Minnesota. Seattle, a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. The rare 425 p.m. Eastern start in Minnesota for the Vikings as they host the Seahawks. Total 55, both these teams coming off of agonizing losses last week. Who do you think gets up off the canvas and gets a win?
1: This is a tough one. Uh, A one-point game in Seattle last year, 27-26. to uh, Seattle won, and it was a heartbreaking loss for Minnesota. Minnesota was not very good at home last year, but I think if you really look at the teams that were really affected by the no-fans environment due to COVID, Minnesota would be one of them. That's a loud stadium up there in in Minnesota. Of course, it's not as hostile as it might have been if it was an outdoor stadium in December in the freezing cold, theoretically, but it's loud, it's hostile, and they like to show up. Uh, that being said, when you go back to last year, one thing that did stand out to me is the totals at home were super high. And I think you're going to see a lot of points in this game. Uh, Seattle had a bizarre split last year. Their first four road games all went over, and their last four were all lower scoring. Uh, so there was a weird split midseason, but I think it was more opponent-driven. They went under at Washington. Um, they played a low-scoring game against another good defense I think you're going to see points here. at 55 over would be my best look. I think the game's going to be tight down the stretch and just another one of these real, like, college-style games, almost, from Seattle and Minnesota.
0: Shark, I am with you. You read my mind with the home overs for the Vikings. Last season, 7-1 and one to the over were the Minnesota Vikings, and I think we see the same thing here. It's their first home game of the season. And let's face it, they haven't looked good defensively in either of their games, right? They let Joe Burrow move the ball all over them, let Kylo Murray throw for 400 yards this past week, taking on a Seattle defense that hasn't looked great itself. They gave up over 500 total yards to the Titans last week. I think we see points in bunches. Um, and it's nice, right? Because you have that kind of convenient look for the over, but you're also not forced to play either of these two teams that have shown that they're not super reliable in closing out games. So if I were to take a side, it would be the over 55 in this game. Now we've closed out all day games. It is time to move on to the night show here. First Sunday night football Packers plus three at the Niners total 50 and a half Packers played a great second half to beat the lions. How much of an accomplishment is that really against the lions, the Niners? They locked up the Eagles last week to move to two and zero. Who do you think comes out on top in this game that, again, a ton of eyeballs are going to be on, an excellent matchup for Sunday night?
1: Uh, This is a really tough one for me. And the way I cap is I usually go through the day games, and then later on I'll actually look at this in a little bit more of an official way before potentially playing a a Sunday night game. Uh, Obviously, a little little bit of a burnout factor on Sundays, a lot going on between 1 and 7 p.m. However, at 8.20 p.m., we do find ourselves here in San Francisco – uh, Green Bay came in here last year and throttled them, but they throttled a Nick Mullins-led Niners team. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had gotten hurt the previous week. And, of course, that was a reactionary game for Green Bay to so having lost the NFC Championship game the previous year. So we're starting to get a little bit of a flow here. Niners won the NFC Championship game. Packers come in and revenge them against Nick Mullins. Now you have to ask yourself, who's going to be more pissed off in this game? If I'd answer that question, I would say San Francisco. Last year was not representative of their quality across an entire 16-game calendar. due to injuries and a lot of sketchiness. They're 2-0 on the campaign already. Revenge game got beat by 17 points last year. were obliterated in the first half at home. I think they come out here ready to go. If I had to lean aside here, I would take San Francisco. That doesn't mean I'm not going to have an official play on this. It just will come on Sunday afternoon for me.
0: Yeah, I lean toward the Niners as well. The reason I'm not playing it off the jump is uh, this line has been coming down slightly. I would love, Again, I would love to see if I can get a two-and-a-half to pop before this game. I doubt it. And, again, that's something with football betting, right? You don't have to play a game just because you like one side or another. Wait and see if you can get a good number. If you can't, guess what? There are years more of football games that are going to be played in your life. You don't have to bet every one. If I don't get my two-and-a-half, I'll probably sit it out. That's just kind of the way I feel about it, right? It's important to get on the right side of those key numbers. I'm not impressed with the Packers right now. Yes, they blew out the Lions in the second half. Congratulations. They're the Lions. That's, that's what they do. They get blown out. The Packers, uh, they've played three less than convincing halves of football out of four so far this year. That is a problem for me. Uh, The Niners haven't been perfect either, right? I mean, they played a low-scoring game against the Eagles last week. They were dominated in the fourth quarter against the Detroit Lions. Uh, It's probably a game where I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the fact that we have another. Really Gore there. Monday night football, finally. That's right, because we have a game that we don't have to spend a lot of time
1: Big Jay's having some broadcast issues up in New York. I am not sure. However, Monday Night Football, Eagles at Cowboys. I'll jump into it as we flow here. Uh, Cowboys did torch the Eagles last year uh, late in the season. Against Jalen Hurts, it was an Andy, Andy Dalton-led game. A uh, Tight first half. Jalen Hurts came out, I believe, 14-3 to Eagles in the first quarter. Uh, Cowboys did carry it down the stretch, 17-0 in the second half, and win the game by 17 points. So you get an immediate revenge game here. Uh, you do get Philly at, off of a beautiful showing in Atlanta in week one, uh, obviously outside of the division on the road versus the far less opponent type. Uh, I think Philly's a decent look here, obviously, in a revenge game, having been insulted in the second half last year. But I do think, in general, the Cowboys – will be functioning better on this line. Philly did actually lay three points that game last year, and I've been saying it the whole broadcast. Um, obviously, in the division, when it moved seven points, it's showcasing the strength of the Cowboys this year, who were lackluster all last year. Um, obviously, a lot of injuries. Dak Prescott got, got hurt in the middle of the year. COVID really hurt them, and their defense was terrible. Uh, Mike McCarthy said it on hard knocks he wasn't wrong. It was an excuse, but a lack of preseason and exhibition games last year without fans in a lot of arenas really threw off their flow. So I think uh, ultimately this is a really difficult game to predict. I think the numbers all over the Cowboys, and it's definitely a continued buy environment. But I think the revenge element and also the, the traveling aspect to uh, Philly in week one to Atlanta does correlate to them. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Jay. I'm not sure if his internet is coming back or not. Um, I can't officially close the broadcast. Everybody's anybody's watching my channel, what's going on, guys? It is the shark. We're dominating. Uh, let's go Houston tonight. And uh, we'll be on here tomorrow, Shark and the Gun, 9 p.m., college football talk on my channel, and Guns Picks, follow him G-U-N-Z Picks on Twitter. And uh, J Money is Money will be hosting myself and the shark, uh, excuse me, myself and the gun. I am the shark, God damn it! on uh, Sunday morning. And we'll be doing 11 a.m. We'll be doing 20 minutes of our top four picks and competition picks, GPO Lock, Cappers Collective Competition And uh, we'll be doing that. So that's the lineup this week for me. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m., college football. I'm going through it in the best detail that I'm possibly capable of in the next four or five hours. And then, obviously, Sunday NFL, the 11 a.m. broadcast, which is the best energy of the week. I know I wake up every NFL Sunday in a totally different energy space. I am hyped. I'm jacked. You only get 17 of them. You get 18 of them this year. But that is ultimately what we're dealing with here. Uh, I hope Jay can get back in here. I'm not sure what he's doing. Uh, shout out to ATSIO, io a great product, a great label in the making. And um, the beginning is now. It's a beautiful fall 2021 campaign. We went through hell and back in this in this world, and it's a beautiful thing to be here, really. And, um, yeah, Jay, Jay said his internet bailed out. So I'm signing up. Thanks for listening, guys. Sharky Waters Nation. Nine words of lifestyle. Ride the wave or get out of the water. Uh, tune in tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Send your notifications. Sharks and sports for those who don't follow uh, we're dropping the top college football plays. Fast flow. This is 50 minutes. Where we're doing 20 minutes, so we'll be in and out real quick. Top looks, top angles, and all the hype we need. Chugger Waters Nation, Jay Sanon, otherwise known as GBI, Gridiron Betting Insider. ATSIO, thanks for listening, guys. Be on here tomorrow.